Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I've done a fair bit of hypnosis in my day. Uh, my co-host, Billy, this week is not here because he's doing super fun porn things in New York and L.A. And instead, I have a very lovely guest who I'm super excited about. My guest today is a kink educator, co-host of the Two Hip Chicks podcast, and author of several books about erotic hypnosis and hypno kink adjacent topics, including the brainwashing book, Kinky NLP and Go Down Gamblin'. Most recently, they've created a massive online resource at learnhypnokink.com, which is a free introduction to erotic hypnosis for beginners. I am so excited to chat today with Sleepin' Girl. Hi, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we were just talking before about how like We've been sort of hanging around in the same communities for a while yeah. and <laughs> seemed like a, a good time for a collab. And for sure. yeah, I've just I've been a fan of your work for a few years now because my spouse told me pretty early into our relationship that they had a hypno fetish and I wanted to read about that to understand it because yeah. it really wasn't something I had a lot of experience with. And yeah. you were one of the people who they referred me to and the way that you write about hypno is like both so nerdy and granular but also <laughs> so like romantic and like emotive and like intimate and hot it's, yeah. just, it's just great stuff this isn't well, a question this is just a compliment <laughs> well, yeah thank you no well like for me it's both it's both like almost this like spiritually sensual thing as well as like my neurodivergent special interests so it's like I get like all of the above with it yeah yeah that definitely comes through and I love it um I wanted to ask you sort of about like your early days in the hypno kink community online or like even before even there was a community because I know that my spouse has mentioned how hard it was for them like having this fetish in a time when yeah. you couldn't just like go to a hypno munch or whatever. Oh yeah. So I came into the community in uh, 2012, um, which was like just maybe like a year or two after people were really starting to um, like host events and stuff mm-hmm. in, in person. Um, and uh, I was 21 at the time because that was the uh, age that you needed to be to be in the local space, the, mm-hmm. the dungeon mm-hmm. um, that Nihu was held, actually, um, the New England Erotic Hypnosis One Conference back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I grew up with a hypnosis fetish, like very much so. Like I was four years old, like seeing this in Disney movies and being like, well, I don't understand what I'm feeling, but it's getting (laughs) me off. So, um, and so like throughout my, like growing up in childhood, it was always this thing that like I kept very secret and I was very ashamed of. Um, But getting into like becoming more sexually active in my teens, I was kind of like, I feel like I need to explore this more. Um, And, Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like, like your spouse says, like, there wasn't a lot back then, you know, Mm -hmm. like even when I was 18 and I was venturing into like adult spaces online and stuff, um, you know, there was like Yahoo groups and Mm -hmm. FetLife. Um, but, uh, when I was really trying to look for a local scene, there was, there was not as much in the early days. Now it's huge. Like the, the Mm -hmm. online scene has boomed. Like everybody knows what hypno kink is at this point. It feels like, Mm -hmm. um, but it was a very, 
you know, like, especially in like adolescence, it's a really lonely feeling to have like a fetish, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and something that maybe you feel like nobody else can understand you and, and all this stuff. For a while, when I was like a really little kid, I thought having a hypnosis fetish was something that everybody had, but nobody talked about. (laughs) Like, I thought it was this like secret that we just weren't supposed to talk about. And (laughs) it was, I mean, I figured it out eventually, but um, (laughs) I just had such a desire to connect with other people about this. Like all, a lot of my fantasies, I'm a switch and I I enjoy like hypnotizing other people and being hypnotized. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, like, most of my like hypnotist fantasies were about meeting like usually a girl like meeting a girl who like had the same fetish as me and just (laughs) being able to explore that like that was what was hot for me and that like Mm -hmm. it still is you know um luckily like my my real entry into the the kink scene um i was local to nihu and was able to go Mm -hmm. um that that very first time in very first year which was like a crazy experience for me and really like changed a lot of the course of my life I guess you Mm -hmm. know um but it was it's it's just so different now like 10 years later like looking at the online um environment Mm -hmm. for exploring kink um you know you could like throw a rock and you'll hit a discord server of people who are like (laughs) hypnotized to be cats or something (laughs) like um it's everywhere and it's and that's awesome Mm -hmm. um and a lot of like the the motivation that i had for um for doing what i do for writing about hypnosis and talking about hypnosis so much Mm -hmm. was that when i was that like 17 going on 18 year old getting really excited to start exploring this stuff i wanted there to be all of these resources i wanted there to be all of these communities Mm -hmm. you know and it sounds really cliche but like genuinely that was my motivation for for doing all these things i wanted to make things that i wanted at that time Mm -hmm. um yeah and yeah so Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and is also like a pretty big motivation for a lot of the work that I do, like trying to write the stuff that would have helped me back then. And that kind of brings us to one of your latest ventures, which is this HypnoKink 101 resource, uh, LearnHypnoKink.com. My spouse uh, said to me on the phone last week, you should really get Sleeping Girl because she just launched this (laughs) thing and probably wants to talk about it. I was like, "Ooh, yeah, that's great. So, uh, you know, there are some introductory HypnoKink resources out there but oh, yeah. uh you you created this one which is i i have only glanced through it so far but it's really really uh clear thought-provoking interesting practical but also theoretical which i love so i'm yeah. curious about like what made you want to write a hypnokink 101 resource and kind of what were your priorities in writing it yeah, I mean, I've I've wanted to write a 101 resource for a long time, but in my opinion, 101 is the hardest topic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's pretty easy when you're like with a bunch of intermediate people who have some experience and you're all collaborating and talking about things that you already have like a shared grammar for, right? Mm-hmm. Um when you're presenting hypnosis to a brand new audience or to people who have only heard of it as a fantasy, um, you run into some issues. Um, my, my very close friend and metamor play partner, Gleeful Abandon, who's also, uh, 
all pimp her book. She's working on a book about the history <laughs> of uh, eroticization of hypnosis. Yeah, she's um, great. She's great. Um, but but she says that you know hypnosis is a a kink where you have to explain what it is to people. Unlike <laughs> saying I want to spank you or I want to tie you up, like those are pretty mm-hmm. self explanatory, right? Um, like you might have and, to explain like why you want that, but people yeah, already know what it is, so you right. have to step up on that. Exactly, and and part of the issue with hypnosis particularly is that the way that you describe what it is defines how you do it. Um, you know, if you say that hypnosis is like, like, let's say that we're talking about like Franz Mesmer, like mm-hmm. mesmerism, where he said that hypnosis or mesmerism had to do with magnets. So you do it with <laughs> magnets, right. you know, and we uh, like, not to get too into the weeds, I guess, but I don't think we're that far off from Franz Mesmer <laughs> right now. Yeah, it seems um, like, I mean, obviously I haven't dove into the research anywhere near as much as you have, but it seems like there's not really entirely clear-cut explanations scientifically no. for, like, what it is or how it works. We don't know shit. Like, we really don't. <laughs> um, it's all it's all theories. So, so there are all of these competing theories about how it works and stuff. And um, to, to get back to the question, the thing that I really wanted to do with a one-on-one resource and what I will do, because I want to make another one. I want to make a, a more book-level resource. Mm. I, I love the website, um, and I'm very proud of it, and I think it's a great um, intro for people. But mm-hmm. um, what I really wanted to do was make something that um, was based off of a more, like, my understanding of like an experiential model of hypnosis something that that fits in line with you know i've been doing hypnosis for 13 years like as a hypnotist and subject i have sat there and done the math and like the conservative estimate is that i've done like a thousand hours of hypnosis like it's a very long time um amazing yeah which is very cool um (laughs) but like you know i something that both fits in line with what I understand hypnosis to be based on all the research I've done and based on my, my actual experience that is not tied up in the kinds of like idioms that we say, like, Oh, hypnosis is about, you know, bypassing the critical faculty. Well, I don't really think so. Oh, (laughs) hypnosis is about, you know, enhancing suggestibility through relaxation. Eh, That's not really my experience either, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody has a different experience, but the, what I really tried to do with learnhypnokink.com was, um, not quite make an overarching model that covers everything, but one that is broad enough for most people to get some really good use out of it and then to branch out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember what your original question was, but I hope that <laughs> covered some of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was, I, when I was looking through it, I was thinking about the process that I went through when I wrote uh, my book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can yeah. Do, which is like a, also a 101 kink book. Um, but much more general. And I had to really sit down and think like, what do I respect about other 101 level books that have been written on this? And what do I want to do a little bit differently? And like, that's not necessarily a judgment on other ones that have come before. But yeah, I think it's important when you're working on something like this to think about like, what is your approach? What do you think is different about your approach? And also about kind of like your values? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's very telling about a person, right? Like, mm-hmm. and their like who they are and their experience with kink. Like, when when you create a resource like that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I have really taken away from your work 
and there are truly a lot of them, honestly. But um, as someone who like, I would say in my relationship, when we're doing hypno, I probably am bottoming maybe like 60 to 70% of the time. Yeah. And so I uh, had a lot of the common anxieties that new subjects have in terms of like, am I doing this right? Like, are we there yeah. yet? And yeah. uh, to some extent, had this idea as I think many people do of like the skill of the hypnotist being the main thing that determines whether a scene will work and so I was kind of confused when like my spouse who I think is a really good hypnotist like sometimes would not be able to get me into a a good trance if I was like Mm -hmm. feeling really tense that day or or whatever and in reading your work I've learned more about like what you call subject skills or like Mm -hmm. bottoming skills which is something we actually talk a lot about on this show uh, that it's not just a passive thing to bottom or to receive or to be controlled or what have you there are actual skills involved in that and I would love if you could talk about what you see as being those subject skills and and why those are important to develop yeah I would love to I think this is a I I think the community like speaking of how things used to be Mm -hmm. you know versus how they are now in the community I think we've come a, a really long way um in terms of really emphasizing that hypnosis is a pretty collaborative experience, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, I'm sort of entering my, like, introspection is the best thing ever arc. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, like, that's been my focus in terms of a lot of subject skills recently. I think, you know, um, I've been really interested in self-hypnosis and not just self-hypnosis, but just kind of the idea of, like, playing with your own head, Um, Mm. kind of thing for a long time I think like most people can like at least I did when I was a kid like I discovered like I have an internal voice and so then I was like can I think without that internal voice and like (laughs) playing around with like the way that my thoughts were and having all these like detailed daydreams and seeing how I could control the daydreams and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a really like all of these kinds of exploratory things whether you're playing with little daydream fantasies or imaginative stuff or you're, you know, meditating and, and trying different kinds of trance states in, in those kinds of different ways, or you're simply being introspective about who you are and your identity mm-hmm. in regards to kink, in regards to what you like, in regards to, you know, your relationship with hypnosis, trance states and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. All of those, like, kind of create this big sort of holistic uh, aspects to being good at hypnosis. Like all of these kinds of things create a, a sort of muscle memory, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I'm a really big fan of Milton Erickson and I was not going to come on this podcast and not say that everybody should read <laughs> Erickson's hypnotic realities. Because I was it's trying the best to come up with book. a, I, I was looking through your stuff to come up with questions and I was like, I want to ask something about Erickson, but I don't even know where to don't begin. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> so, um, Milton Erickson, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, he was born in the 1920s and he is, a, he was an extraordinarily influential um, hypnotherapist, you know, prior to him a lot of, and even after him, a lot of hypnosis was uh, very sort of direct and, um, you know, hypnotist as the operator kind mm-hmm. of stuff um, in terms of like the therapist solving the problems and all this stuff. And Erickson was very indirect and very much about 
you know, uh, a kind of hypnosis that hadn't been seen before in terms of being very, I don't know, um, more conversational, I suppose. But but his his biggest contribution to hypnosis, um, I feel, was this idea of utilization, um, where paraphrased in my words, I would say that hypnosis is no more than just using all of the parts of a person's processing, their, their psychology, their environment, their personal history, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're these really complex webs of thoughts and connections and abstractions and imagery and all this stuff that happens inside our heads. And hypnosis is not really more than just talking to someone to affect those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to subject skills, you know, the more in touch you are with those parts, like all the parts of yourself, um, and the more that you're able to just like sit down and think about like, oh, if I was imagining an apple, how would I do that? Doesn't matter if you're, you know, some people can't visualize very well or can't visualize at all. How do you imagine an apple in that case? Because you do mm-hmm. think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, how do you think? Just identifying your own thought processes. Hypnosis is a thing um, that really relies on a, a nuanced noticing of your internal experience. Like as a subject, you know, one of the first things that I and continue to do with my, my partners that I hypnotize is I want to make sure that when I'm hypnotizing them, they're capable of um, noticing and seeing more of their own process. Because as they're able to notice these these little subtle things, that's when you start opening up more into like more divergent and big hypnotic experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those little changes, those little kind of details about your thought process and, and your body, like feelings in your body, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where all the big stuff starts to happen. Yeah, I love that. And it's making me think about the points in your hypnokink guide that are about, I think you called it pacing and leading. Yeah. Where you sort of say a few things that are true. I think the examples you give are like you are sitting in a chair, like you are breathing yeah. deeply in and out and and establish sort of like trust with those things and then add an additional thing that you want to be true, like you are going into trance. And uh, this makes me think about the, the first time that I ever encountered some form of erotic hypnosis uh, was before I met my spouse. And it was like, I <laughs> I had this a friend with benefits who was Dommy and like, I guess had an interest in this, but had never mm-hmm. brought it up at any other time. And he was like, touching me and was like I'm gonna count down from 10 and when I get to zero you're gonna come and I was like I'm simply not like I'm just not going to and I think that that was a situation where like this type of skill would have been useful in terms of like I will trust you more the things that you're saying about my body if you say things that are true first exactly (laughs) right right no 100 percent oh yeah yeah that's one of those like you know, like I said, it's it's been a, a long time that I've wanted to write, to write this uh, 101 resource, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't there, you know? Like, I feel like it takes a long time to understand it well enough to, to, to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but, but some of the pacing and leading stuff that I learned from NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming, um, really hit home for me in terms of like oh this you know when you when you really break it down the hypnotist is someone who is 
really getting a lot of trust from a person and um and how do you how do you talk to someone to to make that trust happen and mm-hmm. like and and so pacing and leading in NLP is a really important part of what they said Erickson did you know going mm-hmm. back to him um and so that was something that I always wanted to include yeah, I find your work on NLP really fascinating um, in large part because I have this longstanding fascination with pickup artistry. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just there's something about it that is so <laughs> compelling to me in both like a kink and a sort of more intellectual way. Yeah. And I know that a lot of pickup artists have sort of commandeered these NLP skills for evil purposes, but it's also so hot that someone yeah. can just like control you with the things that they say to you. I mean, a hundred, a hundred percent. You're so right. And you should say it like <laughs> so right. And actually on that note, like another thing that I've really taken away from your work is a kind of nuanced point about what hypnosis can make you do because a lot of Mm. times when you first get into hypnosis or you first start reading about it people will either say like oh it's mind control you'll be forced to do anything that they tell you to do it's so scary or they'll be like no like you can't be forced to do anything you don't really want to do under hypnosis and I like that you take a more nuanced point on this because I think this type of thing usually is more nuanced than that so could you tell us about like where your position is on that for sure. I mean, like, you you will often see people say both, like, in two separate paragraphs, you know? <laughs> it's like, I mean, I think it's just um, th- the, the idea that, like, hypnosis is mind control is one of those, like, you know, a hypnotherapist wants to tell a client that they're not going to, like, control them, right? You know, you want to make sure someone that you're hypnotizing for the first time is not scared that they're going to go out and rob a bank or give you their <laughs> social or whatever. Right. Um, and, and, and that's, like, that's, like, true, you know? Like, mm-hmm. no one, you're not going to meet someone online and they're going to, like, take over your life completely. Like, <laughs> it's incredibly, incredibly unlikely. Like, I don't want to say never, but, like, pretty much never. Like, I don't yeah. think that's real. Um, you know, because pe- the the reality is that people retain agency and awareness in trance. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but like anything, you know, we do things that we don't want to do all the time, um, yep. in our, in our lives all the time, whether we are coerced and it's yucky or we are simply going to work because we have to, <laughs> like, there's all of these different contextual times that, you know, there we just simply don't have this kind of magical thing protecting us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, I, I, I quote my, my incredibly smart and wonderful partner, Mr. Dream on this all the time, but he said in the tweet once, uh, Oh, I hope I can remember it. <laughs> you know, uh, people say the, the, the subconscious keeps you safe. If I left everything to my subconscious, I would just stub my toe all the time. Do you know what keeps you safe? Boots. Um, he's so good. I love him. Um, <laughs> he is great. I've seen him teach. And uh, the fact that you two are together makes me really happy because you both are so obsessive about this stuff. And it's really yeah, cute. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We, the, last time, the last time we were on a date, I think we spent like... Um, two to three hours talking shop at the end of which I cried because I was so happy. Like that's (laughs) actually like, (laughs) yeah. Anyways. (laughs)
Hello, friends. You're never going to believe this, but this episode of the Dildorks is coincidentally sponsored by another HypnoKink resource. Our sponsors this week are our friends HypnoStory and Panda and their HypnoKink 101 online class. It's a great resource if you've been curious about getting into HypnoKink, and it can be found at pandastory.love slash 101. It features an incredible 13 professional quality video lessons, totaling five hours of foundational, hands-on, hypnokink education. It'll take you through the whole process of negotiating a scene, doing an induction and deepeners, experimenting with fractionation and suggestions, doing aftercare and troubleshooting, and so much more. There's also handouts in addition to the videos in case you prefer to learn that way. The instructors, Panda and HypnoStory, are Dildorks listeners who bring their experiences as queer, non-binary, and neurodiverse people into the way they teach. Their video lessons are as accessible as they know how to make them, featuring closed captions and full-text transcripts. The course is designed to take you from hypnocurious to hypnocompetent, so you can start doing the scenes of your dreams. You can check out the course at pandastory.love 101, or just click the HypnoStory and Panda course link in our show notes if that's easier. And you can also use our code DILDORKS15, that's DILDORKS15, to get 15% off. Thanks for the support. Now back to the show. Let me figure out if I can get us back on topic. <laughs> it's just funny because like my spouse and I, this is an intimate confession, but um, my spouse and I like often read each other stuff over the phone. It's sort of an intimate like LDR thing. And we yeah. have read each other at certain times in the past, like your blog posts that were about your dates with Mr. Dream. And <laughs> the main thing that we talk about after we read those is like, like how romantic it is, but also like how amazing it is that we live in a time where like as much as there is shitty stuff on the internet and as much as the internet has not been good for everybody, like kinksters mm-hmm. and fetishists can actually meet each other and actually connect with people who get what they're feeling on like a really deep level. And yeah. that just wasn't possible. Like I think of this quote from Jillian Keenan, the spanking fetishist, where she like interviewed an older woman who was another spanking fetishist. And she said like, uh, yeah. what did you do like to meet people before the internet? And and this woman said like the brave ones, you know, posted personal ads in, in newspapers yeah. and, and the not brave ones were just lonely. And um And I think that it's fascinating to see how you have, like, both helped fuel and, uh, like, add weight to the growing hypnokink community and also, like, clearly uh, enjoyed the benefits of, like, being able to connect with people in that way. Yeah, I mean, I feel so lucky, like, every day, every single day, I'm like, I'm so glad that I have, like, the life that I have and that other people, like, I live in a time where you know, like on any given day, there are probably, there's probably munch mm-hmm. and like, you know, events that are happening and people are able to, to find people that they connect with on this level. And like, I don't take that for granted at all. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy, yep. you know, I read the sometimes, you know, like pictures of those old, like personal ads for queer people, mm-hmm. like will show up on Twitter or whatever. And I read them and I'm like, oh my God, like, I wish I could meet you people like you know like give you some of that yeah 
Yeah, like as much as I talk shit about like Tinder and OkCupid, etc., even that is so much better than anything that Kingsters sure. had like 20 years ago. And, yeah. 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 So we touched on long distance stuff, and I know that your relationship with Mr. Dream is long distance. And something yeah. that I have noticed is that uh, as far as kinks in a long distance relationship go, like Hypno's pretty good. Like you can yeah. <laughs> you can do it in a way that, in my experience, is very very close to what it's like to do it when you're physically together. And I'm curious about like yeah. how does Hypno manifest for you? in a long distance relationship and like does it bridge the gap sufficiently it's it's enough until the next <laughs> yeah. time you yeah. know like i i think that um you know you can you can do a lot with long distance uh hypnosis mm-hmm. um and it's incredibly satisfying and and amazing stuff it's not quite the same <laughs> for me as in person mm-hmm. i'd like just the the being in a bed kind of thing together mm-hmm. but um, but I'm, you know, Mr. Dream and I, we get to, we get to do Skypes like once or twice a week and, um, you know, we'll generally do some kind of play and it's, it's almost like, you know, the only thing that you lose is the kinesthetic stuff for the most part and the, you know, the, the sort of physical intimacy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of i mean we just do so much brainwashing so it's just like you get on a computer screen it's like oh well you're pouring on a computer screen now or like oh you're wearing headphones that's like techno brainwashing like there's a lot of like really fun kitschy stuff that you can do on a computer that maybe is less possible in person too Mm -hmm. you know um one thing i'm gonna be i'm gonna be vulnerable and embarrassed (laughs) now um one really ridiculous thing that i have done is that uh, and I recommend everybody do at least the first part of this. You can record calls on mm-hmm. Skype, um, and if you're if you're doing hypnosis, I highly recommend recording your your calls because a that helped me develop amnesia better because I didn't have to worry about like remembering every detail because it would be there mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, b you can go back and trance or masturbate to it, which I definitely <laughs> do. Um, <laughs> And C, which I don't recommend everybody does, but what I did was I saved, like, maybe nine or ten calls, and I extracted the audio, and I cut up the calls so that all the chit-chat was removed, and I pasted all the trance together (laughs) in, like, a three-hour audio file. No, that's... I I would not consider that embarrassing, because, like, would do. Like, that makes complete sense to me. Are you just, like, walking around listening to it, or...? No... I, so I have these sleep headphones, mm. right? And, <laughs> and I bought them for the explicit purpose of, of falling asleep listening to this ridiculous <laughs> thing. And um, and that was great. It was a great idea <laughs> because uh, there have been times where, like, falling asleep to it is awesome. And then you wake up at 3 a.m. and you still hear the voice or you hear the voice in your dreams. Mm. Like, it's great. <laughs> Um, I don't do it all the time, but, but I mean, like, you know, but and it, like getting back to topic, I guess, <laughs> like there's so much, there's creative stuff you can do over video and over text, over, uh, um, audio only, like any of this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, I think there's so many things because hypnosis just works based on communication. So any time that you can effectively communicate with someone, you can hypnotize mm-hmm. them. Um, 
And I mean, if you, like, if you, I'm not super into this, but like, if you want to like masturbate on a video call while you're doing hypnosis, that's great. If you want to, I actually love text trance. I know some people it's not, you know, there's, there's a perception that it's less effective, but I have not found that to be Mm. true. Um, at least for myself. Mm. Um, I, I think there's something unique about doing text-based hypnosis that is, uh, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just kind of like different nuances of communication, I guess. But it's it's great and fun. I don't know. I don't know how else to answer <laughs> the, the question. Do all the things. You can just do what you normally do with hypnosis, just staring at a computer screen. <laughs> yeah, it's like, great. Like on, uh, on a very basic level, like sometimes my spouse and I use it just to make phone sex things feel more real and more like they're actually happening, sure. which is huge. Um, but we also do weird, fun scenes. Um, I think one of the wildest ones we did was like, I got on camera with them and uh, they gave me this suggestion that like, as I was doing my makeup, like every item that I put on my face would make me dumber. Yeah. And so like, I just did like a full <laughs> face of makeup. And by the end of it, I was like doing my eyeliner and and they were like, how do you draw that winged eyeliner? Like that looks complicated. And I was like, it's triangles. (laughs) It was great. It was so fun. It's a pizza slice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, that's lovely. I love that. Good times. The only thing that's like sometimes been an issue for me with long distance hypno is like when something with the technology fucks up. Yeah, yeah, and it'll mm-hmm. be like t- literally. <laughs> the ahead, Wi-Fi like drops out, and everything just yeah. goes silent. And like for me, often when I'm in trance, one of the ways that it manifests is like my thoughts are very, very, very slow, and so it'll take yeah. me so long to be like, "Wait, something's not right here." <laughs> and then, like, if they call me back, I have to be able to hit the button. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's like probably the hardest thing about it but it, but it's not too bad like if you're used to using the technology then it's like not too hard to use it in those situations yeah. it's it is like a tale as old as time <laughs> is the the hypno fetishist who who has bad internet like it's so real i mean i'm really lucky we have good internet <laughs> so i haven't like but when i oh my god when i was like 19 and like in chat rooms like oh my god mm. yeah like that was crazy um but uh (laughs) nowadays not as much of a thing i uh you know one of the things that i learned uh, speaking of like subject skills and and maybe like a little misconception-y kind of thing um you know i think a lot of people are scared when the hypnotist stops talking Mm -hmm. or like the hypnotist doesn't want to like stay quiet and they want to make sure they fill all the Mm -hmm. the space i've gotten a lot more comfortable with with space and like silence Mm -hmm in uh trances and um there's really amazing things that you can do actually with your head when you're a subject because like not that you're necessarily taking control of the trance but like when you're afforded a little bit more uh you know i guess just silence or um i don't know i can't think of another word but um there's there's things that you know, if you're in trance, maybe your creativity is a little bit changed or Mm -hmm. different and you can notice more nuances of your thoughts in that way. Like one of the things that happens for me a lot is like, I will just like start reading poetry, like in my head, (laughs) like in this sort of trancey sort of way, which I think is really beautiful. Um, and having all these like thoughts and stuff that I wouldn't necessarily be having and then getting to like, look at those thoughts and be like, whoa, I am in trance. Like, this is pretty (laughs) great. 
Um, but, uh, but one of the things that, that can happen is, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Mr. Dream and I are doing like some Skype play and, you know, he stops talking for a minute or so. And normally, like if we're in person, that's not scary or anything, but like you're saying, there's a little part of me that has to like, kind of make sure that Skype is still going (laughs) just in case. Uh, yeah, what you're saying about like thinking about things you wouldn't normally think about is making me think about like another thing that I've really taken away from your work, which is like there's this common misconception that if you're in trance, if you're a hypnobottom, that basically your mind will be blank. And as sure. with like meditation and that kind of stuff, like, yeah, that may be yeah. for some people the goal, but like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not doing it right if that's not your experience and like I'm reminded of uh I often the weird thing that happens to me is sometimes when I'm in trance and we're like ostensibly gonna have phone sex and stuff I'll just have random creative ideas for like other stuff and like I was doing this I've been doing this songwriting challenge and uh my spouse like put me in trance a few months ago and I managed to get some (laughs) words out which were like what if I wrote a yeah. song that was a, like a hypno induction <laughs> and, and they were just kind of like, I'll write that down for you. <laughs> like you can use that later. You should definitely do that yeah. also. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't really know what my question is, but like it, I, I think that there's probably like a lot of overlap between hypno and like flow state. Do you think that that's why yes. there can be like these creative or random ideas that come out of trance? I, th- I think so. I mean, I think that like, you know, one of the things that I talk about in, in learnhypnokink.com is that there's, uh, I don't think that there is like one trance state for mm. hypnosis. I think that it's, there's so many different ways that we experience trance that saying like, oh, there's one way that it happens is like very much not what I have uh, been mm-hmm. used to um, or like that the experience with me, the experience with my partners or people I've talked to. Um, because sometimes in trance, my, my, I, I get the blankness sometimes it's really exciting, but there are other times in trance where like, like you say, I have these creative ideas or I'm analyzing. And for me, analysis, I learned to really love, you know, the, the analysis that I do, or I'm thinking really dumb. Like there's all these different nuances. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but it's interesting you say flow state because I do flow arts mm. and um, like I think mostly now I would just call myself like a hula mm-hmm. hooper um, and it took a long time for me to get you have to really learn a lot about you, the the object that you're manipulating in flow arts before you can start to flow mm-hmm. with it um, at least for me you know I know a lot of people who will pick up something and they'll be able to just flow because they're you know they're comfortable with that for me i have to be comfortable with the actual techniques Mm -hmm. first um and that was kind of my experience in trance too you know i think a lot of people are hyper analyzing um their own like trance experience um and not able to reach that kind of flow state i guess Mm -hmm. you could say um but it's not necessarily that you have to like get good at it you just have to be a little more familiar with it Mm -hmm. you know um what was your original question <laughs> i don't know it's fine we're, we're wandering oh, off well what you're saying is, is <laughs> yeah, making me think about like my experiences on psychedelics because um mm. i've used shrooms and i like them but i i 
did have this issue. I thought it was a problem originally, and now I'm like, I don't know that that's a problem. Where like every time I did shrooms, my entire internal monologue would be like how I would describe this experience to someone if I was like writing about that's it. Cool. Which I think that's it's just really like cool. you know being a writer, I just sort of do that, and so I would take all these yeah. notes. And at a certain point, I would start to write in my notes, like, what if I just, like, didn't do this? Like, what if I just tried to be in the moment? And I kind of ultimately realized, like, I think I like narrating it. I think that that actually works Mm -hmm. for me as, like, a central thread to keep me, I don't know, connected to the experience and to keep me from sort of floating off and feeling lost and unmoored. And I've sometimes felt that way in hypnosis as well, where it's like if I'm sort of half thinking about how I would write about this in a blog post or even like a tweet, like yeah. it keeps me more focused actually on what I'm feeling, which is sort of weird. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, because that's, that's how you process mm-hmm. things, you know, I think, and I think that's a really awesome insight. I love that a yeah. lot. Um, you mentioned flow arts and stuff. I have also uh, dabbled in hula hooping. Um, And I love the way that you write about hypnosis and its interactions with sort of like the idea of like mindfulness and meditation or like spirituality even and magic. And I would love if you could talk about the ways that hypno exists in your life that are sort of like outside of the realms in kink. But I also recognize that maybe there's not like clear divisions between those sectors of your life. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think, like, I had to sort of come to terms that there weren't as clear divisions between those parts Mm -hmm. of me. Like, you know, not to get into my complete (laughs) spiritual history, like, back towards childhood. But I grew up in a secular household, and um, uh, so, like, like my parents were atheists, basically, Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't have any direction with religion, so as a teenager I started exploring... I dabbled in Wicca, paganism, fairy, like a bunch of adjacent kinds of witchy, esoteric mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and what was most alluring for me back then was the meditation practices, which I refused <laughs> to acknowledge as hypnotic. There was no way that my religious thing was going to be the thing that made me calm. There's no way. Um, and... Um, I even I even got into a, a fight with my my boyfriend at the time who who I was doing hypnosis with. And he was vanilla, but he was he was very good to me. And um, um, and he was like, "Isn't this meditation thing you do basically hypnosis?" And I was like, "No, there's no way. No, don't say you. that. Yeah. How dare you?" Um, but but I was super wrong. Um, I, I think that there's I. I like I said, you know, even talking about like, oh, they're really, in my opinion, are not different kinds of really dis. There is, there's, there are, there are many different kinds of distinct, maybe not distinct, but but different kinds of trans states, trans experiences, all this mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I don't think we really benefit anything by putting hypnosis into a mm-hmm. box. Then that says it, this is hypnosis, and nothing outside of this box is hypnosis. Right. Like you're just losing things at that point. Like why don't you want to play with all the other things? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so anyways, um, you know, the meditative experiences that I was having, you know, the late high school, early college kind of thing, um, were pretty intense. 
And I was not really convinced that it was because of like some god or goddess that I was communicating with or that I was literally like astral projecting in a, in a very like literal mm-hmm. sense. But, but, the, but the mental experience of it, you know, was quite convincing and very mm-hmm. exciting. Um, so that kind of formed my early spirituality and some of my early sexuality stuff too. Um, and it wasn't until, um, I would say that that was something that I dabbled in for a long time after that, like all my, all through my twenties, I kind of went in and out of different kinds of esoteric models and ideas and stuff. And I never really found anything that felt reasonable to me because I, like it's very hard to shake the atheist upbringing mm-hmm. like um even if you want to believe in something like well you need to i, I needed real good yeah. proof um and i've sort of let go of that need and uh, to sort of answer the question um i've really come to terms with the idea that um trans states and hypnosis and things that you can do with your own psychology and identity approach magic to the point that like why are you even bothering to label it as not (laughs) magic you know to some degree um i don't think that you know i'm not the kind of person who like i don't believe in astrology and i i I don't think that there's like a literal life force that i'm like moving around with energy and stuff Mm -hmm. like that i don't i don't judge people who do it's just not for me but at the same time i've had experiences with hypnosis where you know someone is narrating my thoughts before i think them or I have had experiences with hypnosis where, um, you know, a group of people witnessed something that wasn't there, mm. that n- that was completely spontaneous and unsuggested. Like, really weird shit happens when you get people into trance mm-hmm. states. Um, and I think that's incredible. Yeah. And some of that, for me, has happened in spiritual places. Um you know, uh, Mr. Dream runs an event that is like a hypnosis retreat and it's held at a Quaker uh, place. And uh, it's a really magical experience, mm-hmm. um, not for the nature of the event, but the space itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually that caused me to look into Quakerism a little bit, which uh, is a very, uh, I don't really know how to describe Quakerism. It's, it has Christian roots. Um, but a lot of them are not Christian, and um, the the majority of Quakers in the United States do what's called um, unprogrammed worship, which is you go to the meeting house and everybody sits in silence for an hour, and um, if you you open yourself up to messages from, you know, maybe you're feeling their messages from God or the space or yourself or whatever, and if you feel that you're moved to share something, you can stand up and share your mm-hmm. message. Um, which is like a very simple, you know, there's not a lot to it. A bunch of people come in and they sit Mm -hmm. down, they do the thing. Um, but it's really intense. And I, so I've been going to my local Quaker meeting house. Um, I've been involved with them for about six months. I've been attending off and on. Mm -hmm. Um, but that kind of transformed the way that I approached, um, both, hypnosis and spirituality and the two combined because I go in there, I sit down, I'm immediately in self-hypnosis, you know, and self-hypnosis has become this really powerful tool for me 
both to have intense experiences when someone else is hypnotizing me, as well as connecting with this sense of like, maybe there's, you know, things that I can be listening to in my own life, you know, that are um, more poignant or that I don't hear if I don't listen for them kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and that's kind of a lot where um, I wrote a little mini guide thing to self-hypnosis called six days of sleep. Um, and that was, that came a lot out of this kind of thing. And the whole idea with that was you take six days and you do self-hypnosis for 30 minutes every day or 15 minutes mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and you turn it into a sort of a ritualized practice and then you see what happens. You know, you, you come up with an idea that you want to meditate on and there's some information about how to do these kinds of meditative or self-hypnotic practices, how to look at your own focus, how to self-induce trance in a way that is not pass or fail, you know, all this stuff. And and what happens at the end, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that, so, so for me, like, psychosexuality is spiritual, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I had to come to terms with that, but once I did kind of let go of this need to 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 keep hypnosis out of every single part of my <laughs> life um I found a lot of fulfillment there I just spent a long time talking about <laughs> I'm so sorry oh, no it's fascinating <laughs> and um and I did the six the six days of sleep uh yeah program I don't know what the right word is I don't, um, I don't know it's, it's it's a weird it's a weird yeah thing. and I did it coming at it from from a weird place which was like I had been enrolled in this like meditation education program at my local like chronic pain clinic because I have fibromyalgia uh-huh. and so they were teaching meditation as like stress relief and also sort of like yeah. Uh, self-reflection and and mainly for stress relief though like mainly just like reduce the noise in your nervous system so you're not like triggered and flared up as mm-hmm. much but I had been doing much more meditation because of that and so I enjoyed doing the six days of sleep I enjoyed that you emphasized like it's very self-guided it's very whatever happens in your brain is what happens Um, And I believe that the ideas that I chose to meditate on were sort of like, what would bring me more joy in my life? And one of the ideas that you had brought up in the book was like, maybe each day you could meditate on like a different sense or like a different way of Mm -hmm. perceiving. And so every day that I did it, I would kind of think about, okay, like today it's sight or like today it's touch or smell or whatever. And like which ones, which sensations of each of those do I like associate with joy to just sort of like think about. Like one day I was just sort of thinking about what jazz piano sounds like for like 20 minutes and just kind of like going wherever that took me. Yeah. And it's like, I, I get what you're saying about this stuff being in some sense spiritual because for me like it's never been as if I saw God or like heard what I thought was some kind of divine pronouncement or whatever it's just like there is something spiritual about accessing kind of like that mind-body connection and sort Mm -hmm. of tapping into these mysteries that we still don't understand about how the human brain works and human consciousness and just sort of remembering to be awed by it all uh, instead of just like thinking about what's on my to-do list all the time or whatever. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I'm like, I, I thank you for sharing your experience with that. I'm really super happy yeah. about it. Um, 
but one of like something that I think is really poignant and powerful for me always is like things that we don't Mm -hmm. know I think that like that's kind of what makes hypnotic amnesia work for me really well is um accepting that something you know a memory could become something that I don't Mm -hmm. know or a secret or you know some sort of hidden Mm -hmm. thing I think that there's something that's inherently kind of um I we keep using the word spiritual like I'm okay to keep using it but it's it's I think we're like you and I are on the same page about what we mean Mm -hmm. you know but it's sort of like at least adjacent to that kind of magical intense power kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know in 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 things that are hidden or things that we don't understand Mm -hmm. you know respect or whatever so yeah it's wild shit good stuff yeah (laughs) Uh, we're getting close to time, so I think we have to wrap it up. Thank you so much for being okay. here. But um, I know I would love to keep talking <laughs> forever, honestly. But um, where can people find you online and and your various projects? Sure. Um. So I'm on Twitter at h underscore sleeping girl. There's only one G in sleeping girl because it's a cute little pun. <laughs> um, and uh, my website is sleepinggirl.card.co. One G, two R's. <laughs> and the new website is learnhypnokink.com, which has links to all of that stuff. It has the entire guide. It has the link to my personal website that links to all of my weird projects <laughs> um, and, and my books, which are less weird. Um, and and yeah, so I, I'm, like I said, most active on Twitter. Find stuff on my website and, and check out the, the new one-on-one guide. Yeah, we will link to that in the show notes. I think a lot of Thank you. Uh, our listeners would be really interested in that because we definitely talked a good deal about hypno, but there's only so much introductory stuff you can convey in like a one-hour yeah. podcast episode. Yep. Yep. Uh, my stuff, I am at katesloan.com. I have two books out, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, and 200 Words to Help You Talk About Sexuality and Gender. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Check out my co-host, who's not here this week, at billylore.com. We are at thedildorks.com. We're also at patreon.com slash thedildorks if you want to support our work. And what else do I say here? Uh, thank you so much to Protodome who did our theme song. Oh no, I have to thank our Patreon supporters. Whoops. Um, thank mm-hmm. you so much to our top tier Patreon supporters, Nat, Amy, MB, Argo, Amelia, Stabatha Christie. We really appreciate your support. Thank you also to Protodome for doing our theme song. Thank you to Amy for doing our logo. Thank you to our wonderful guest, Sleeping Girl. And thank you so much for <laughs> this having was so me. fun. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Yay, that was so fun.